Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. And here's your prescription. I know just the pharmacy to get this filled. Who are you? A pharmacy benefit manager. A middleman your insurer uses to decide which medicines you can get, what you pay, and sometimes even which pharmacy you should go to. Why can't I go to a pharmacy in my neighborhood? Because I make more money when you go to a pharmacy I own. <laughs> no one should stand between you and your medicine. Visit phrma.org slash middleman to learn more. Paid for by Pharma. Hey, before we get started, this is a conspiracy, paranormal, and true crime podcast. The nature of this podcast is gory, unsettling, and definitely vulgar. And we curse a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. So definitely be advised that we are just two idiots with a mic. Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan, and this is episode 74. And it's also Morgan's birthday! Ayo! Hey! So when this comes out, we're actually going to be celebrating Morgan's 24th birthday. 24th birthday on the 24th of February on episode 74. Something crazy is going to happen. You think? I mean, it has to. All your numbers are lining up. Oh, that is so weird. And like, what a successful birthday this is to be 24 and literally us launching our merch like two days before yes bring in that fat check like we're, <laughs> like it's a it's a really special birthday we we grew a lot this year 24 is gonna be a great year for the both of i us. hope so everyone always says 24 is a good year but then 25 comes and you're like wait i'm halfway to 50 and you're like oh my god a quarter of my life is gone yeah yeah if you make it to 100 yeah we won't i, I can got, guarantee you i'm not gonna make it <laughs> um taylor got me the best gifts today we opened them on camera for our Patreon. Yeah. yeah. We don't know what to call them. She got me matching smiley face slippers that she has <laughs> that I always am like, I need this. She loves them. I, I was like, this is a very much an adult birthday. I yeah. got her everything that she wants, but she won't buy for herself. She got me <laughs> a angel number necklace with the numbers 222 on yeah. it and if you see the merch oh my god the merch is out the merch is out the merch is out so if you see the merch you'll see where the, that comes from for us yes you will and i got glass straws glass straws the i only, love straws the only way to drink water is a glass, out of a straw. glass straw it you'll makes it taste better shit. You will chug that shit <laughs> i got a couple face masks and i got my favorite kind of candy starburst yeah. I think that's it, right? Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. She's a good gift giver. So happy birthday, Morgan. Very Um, cool. So make sure you guys go wish her a happy birthday if you're listening on the 24th when this comes out. I'm really excited for 24. I've always said that, I don't know, I just remember when, like, I don't remember exactly when my mom was 24, but, like, I remember her being that young. Yeah. And I remember her, like, 
talking about like how she like I just remember saying like she was 24 yeah you know what's really crazy is like 10 years ago I was like yeah I'd like to have kids by 24 (laughs) I'd like to be married by like 22 and right now I'm like I can't even think of kids I can't even imagine no hate to anyone who have kids because moms are freaking superheroes and kids are a wonderful blessing in life but for me personally right now I'm still a kid. I just couldn't fathom having to take care of another human. Right. Like my dog's already too much. And I already have two kids. Yeah. And their names start with a B and a B. Yeah. And if their mom's listening to this, she knows. That's what B and B mean. B and B. B and B. Double Bs. Oh, double Bs. I got it. Oh, okay. Now I get it. Okay, sorry. Tiffany, if you're listening, you... We were confused on the payment today that said double Bs. We were like, what is double Bs? Like, is she B's? telling me I have a cup size of a am like, Because I'm it? bigger than a B. <laughs> we're like, what is, what is that? We couldn't figure it out. Now it makes sense that you said that. That's so funny. Oh, that is funny. But yeah, um, I just... I don't think... Like, okay, here's a great... Here's a great example of the way that my mind works. All right? Um, guys... Here's a little quick blurb. This morning, I decided, okay, if you've listened to the entire podcast, you know that I was a notorious early riser and like yes. an early go-getter. Like I, if I was up, I was moving. Like, like when we lived together, you would hear someone in the kitchen at 6 a.m. and you'd be like, there's Taylor. <laughs> Making coffee. And I would be sleep. I'd have an 8 a.m. class and I'd be sleeping till um, 8.05. And yeah. then I would get up and run to my class and hopefully make it in time to catch the clicker quiz to yeah. count my attendance. Yeah. And then when we were at a class <laughs> together, it was me taking your Yeah. Clicker. And then when we had a class together, it was me running Rotating. to her apartment. Or you coming to my yes. apartment. I didn't even go to hers. <laughs> dropping my clicker off or she picking up my clicker. Yeah. And, and then, then go, it in. go in and click her in. And then we cheated on every test in oh, that class. Because every test. Taylor was an, it was a history of rock class, like yeah. a music class. And Taylor is so good with like oldies music. Like, <laughs> All music. That's like her. Oh, oldies specifically. Oldies is your My shit. Jam. Like she knows everything about everything. And they everything. would just like play a tune and you would have to know the song. From, it would like, be like the, five seconds of a tune. The 50s. And we had this whole process where she would be like A and we had like a tapping code uh-huh. and like. I just copied off of her. Every we did Morse day. code. Yeah. Every time I would, I would if I was a, an A, one tap. Yeah. Was a B, two, two taps. taps, and then so on. And I got hundred percent on all of them. Yeah. We, and I don't know shit about history of rock. <laughs> we rocked that class. If our professor's listening to this, sorry, sorry, Sean. But everyone, name. but everyone cheats in your class. Yeah. <laughs> but except for me, I loved it. I yeah, loved that for class. Taylor. It was the best class ever. Anyways, so I used to be a notorious early riser, and so. I decided this morning, I was like, you know what? Because after the pandemic, like with all of that going on and we didn't have like a really big schedule, like I got kind of used to sleeping until like eight and then it went on to nine and then it went on to when I lost my job, like 10 and now it's like hard for me to be up and moving at 10 and I hate that. I feel like I lose half of my day. Like that's just not who I am as a person in general. So I was like, okay, this today marks the day that I fix my sleep schedule and I can't fall asleep until like one now because Mm -hmm. I'm doing that and I hate that. So I I went to bed not until one last night because Logan was gone on a business trip. Well, business trip. He was going working on a property and golfing (laughs) and shit, not business. Um, And he... um, he was gone and I don't like sleeping by myself in this house. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. I go into my room at like midnight and I'm laying there for about an hour. I have my lamp on. I have the TV on. I'm watching Sophie and Chinzia. And 
next thing I know, I wake up and it's 5 a.m. My light's still on. The TV's still on. Still watching Sophie and Chinzia. And I have no idea what happened. And I just woke up. I was like, I slept great. Great deal. And I got up and I've been up since five and I feel good. But I know I'm going to be so tired by the time I go to sleep tonight. So but I'm gonna, that's perfect. That's how that's it what starts. I need. That's what I need to happen. I need to pass out tonight at like nine. Yeah. And then get back into it and like slowly work my way. Because once I start going to sleep that early, I'll wake up earlier and then I'll be able to stay up a little later. Still having great. My so then we can FaceTime on my way to work every day. Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be actually <laughs> my dream come true yeah that's so funny because she sends me a video sitting at her desk at like i don't know 5 a.m 6 a.m and she's told telling me this whole story i woke up with this i snap her back two hours later makeup (laughs) smeared on my face me laying in bed i say whoa yeah literally that's what she said and i was like oh yeah we're not recording at 10 30 <laughs> so but i actually worked out better because i was able to go get the last parts of your gifts and shower because i needed to shower yeah me okay too. i have a funny question okay and then we're gonna move on i swear to god if you guys want to go ahead and skip forward like a few minutes at 10 is when uh, morgan's story is gonna start um can you tell when somebody is a bumper sticker person like just by looking at them yeah yeah I can absolutely tell. So I saw this bomb ass bumper sticker today and it says um, the hippies were right. And I loved it. And I was like, I'm not a bumper sticker bitch. No, I, you're not. I tried to be at one point in time. You I, did. I tried very hard. It was back when I was like still granola, like trying to hike a lot. And then I met my husband and I began hating hiking because he's a rush to the finish line type of person. And I'm an enjoy the journey type of person. Yeah. So our hiking is very stressful. And so we stopped. I stopped hiking when I met him. And then slowly I faded out of my bumper sticker life. And I'm no longer that person. I wish I was. But I'm just not. I'm not either. Maybe when I have kids, I'll put like. What were you going to put when you have kids? Like. What? T- tell me. <laughs> I'm very interested to Maybe see Maybe I'll goes. even do the stick figures. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the stick figures. I'm just fucking with you. But I no. can't tell what who is a sticker, a, 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 a stick person family. I could tell who you are. Yeah, you're always repping the minivan. Yeah. Um. No, I would do like maybe like if they were on a cheer team or something yeah you are oh my god you are i would do that and you'll have like ut alum on the back <laughs> i was you are going to uh, and then i'm gonna see you and i'm gonna rip it off and i'm oh like oh my no. god that's so funny because i look i'm not judging anybody that does that. i wish i had that sort of commitment like I just don't have it because if you don't, if you haven't learned this about me already, I want to change everything constantly. Right. And nowadays they actually say that's really, really bad to have yeah, stickers people like that with your kids' you. names, with their schools, yes. with your school. And mm, yeah, it's really dangerous actually. And you, you know me, I'm like, I, I, tr- I try to change our logo every time we get a cute picture together. Yeah, well, I already got three different logos. I've already sent her three new ones. You might see a new one. (laughs) You might see a new one coming soon. Um, But yeah, so I I just I wish I could be you. I love the content on the back, though. I really do. It's like social media before there was social media. And it gives you something to look at while you're driving. I I love looking at people's bumper stickers. It's like my favorite thing to do. I wish I could be you people. Rock hard. Keep on rocking. Rock hard. Rock hard. You guys are rock hard don't you're not rock hard <laughs> i thought that's where we we're going no, i'm just no, kidding no. Uh, okay you get a rocking car bod all right um we'll get started <laughs> your episode. car's rocking hard anyway if you're driving that buffer sticker car throw that shit on cruise control <laughs> you got a glass for that shit up and let's get <laughs> creepy, creepy.
Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? And before we get started, guys, I don't think we mentioned this in the intro, but I'm just going to make it really quickly. Uh, go over to our Instagram, our link tree, any of our social medias. Our merch link is going to be there. So we just launched our new merch on Tuesday, and you guys can check it out there. And it's fucking dope. So. Okay. Yeah. You want to know what I have Yeah, for you please tell me. You guys know that my V-Day app, I had to bring something crazy to oh, the table. No. So it's like this government conspiracy of some sort, but I don't really know what to categorize this segment, which means that it's really fucking crazy. I'm so excited. Okay, so today I'm going to be talking about a man named Kyle Odom. Kyle was born and raised in northern Idaho, and he lived a relatively normal life. He had a normal and loving family and friends, and he was super intelligent. Hmm. He finished high school, and he went on to join the Marine Corps, and After the Marine Corps, he really liked the science field, so he decided that he would go to the University of Idaho in fall of 2010 to study biochemistry, Mm. which is very tough, Very. where he finished with a degree and a great GPA and graduated magna cum laude. Is that how you say that? I don't know why I didn't graduate that. (laughs) Couldn't tell you because we didn't do it. Couldn't tell you because we cheated. No, I'm just kidding. He, during college, he won numerous awards. He was on an academic scholarship. And I, when I tell you this man is an intelligent person, he is very freaking intelligent. After college, he applied to some grad schools and he got an offer to get his PhD at the Baylor College of Medicine in Human Genetics. Oh, my God. An offer to, like, come study Yeah, here. that's insane. Um, fast forward to 2016 when I'm jumping way far ahead and I'll go back. Um, In 2016, when Kyle Odom was thrown behind bars after being arrested on the attempt to murder a local pastor. Oh, shit. Say what? Say why? The answer's pretty simple. Kyle Odom shot pastor Tim Remington because, well, Tim Remington was a hypersexual and aggressive Martian that was here on Earth and running the world without us knowing. Oh, was he? He was. And how does Pastor Tim play into this? Because he was one of these aliens. Yeah. He was the alien. Okay? He was that one. He came down here to be a pastor and share the exactly. Lord's good word. Luckily for us, Kyle released his own manifesto, explaining everything from the beginning. So let's back it up and fill in the gap. <laughs> the man's behind bars right now, though. Yep. But it started when Kyle was an undergrad at the University of Idaho. It was his final semester, and as all seniors can understand, his workload was tough. God, his yeah. classes were intense, and he was stress to the max in order to manage his stress he needed a way to cope and this is when he turned to meditation he studied meditation any second that he had to himself and this led to like a quick obsession with trying to understand human consciousness and how they can like affect it and alter it Um, Kyle had understood meditation so well that he was reaching extreme states of consciousness oh shit like like the Virginia Institute yeah yeah what's it called the Travi Heavy stock? No. I don't remember. Um, One night in February 2014, Kyle was laying in bed meditating when he started to astral project out of his physical body. Oh, shit. He described this experience as the most profound experience he has ever had in his life. During this astral projection, he left his room and entered this completely dark and black space where he had no awareness of physical boundaries. He said that it was the most peaceful he has ever felt. God, I would love to do that. He then began to see a blue light that was coming towards him. But as it got closer, Kyle realized that it wasn't a light at all and that he was in the presence of another being. Oh, no. And then this being yells, you shouldn't be here. Oh, okay. 
And Kyle's peaceful astral projection was quickly filled with feelings of guilt and wrongdoing. Like, oh shit, what did I just do? So he started kind of backing away from this being, but then got the feeling that this being maybe had changed their mind about Kyle. Because as quickly as his feelings of guilt came over him, came feelings of unconditional love. Okay. Very weird. Yeah, that's quick then, switch up. He then goes on to say that their minds became connected, and this is when he realized that this being was a female. Kyle then became filled with the most euphoric, comforting, and blissful feelings that he has ever felt. And then he woke up. And he woke up crying. And he woke up and couldn't move. He couldn't remove himself from the position he was in. Kyle had just had the most blissful experience, but couldn't shake the feeling that he had just lost someone close to him. That he knew that being. Oh, shit. And he knew that being for a long time. And this lasted for a few minutes until the experience left his mind. And Kyle then continued about his day studying for his classes after this experience he was unable to meditate ever again but it changed him in an intelligent way oh shit! like he had tapped into some type of power classes that had him ready to pull out his own hair were a breeze the classes that were so intense and stressful just days ago Kyle wasn't even having to exert like any type of mental effort oh my god like he was just flying through he understood everything Um, A month later, he started applying to grad schools and was quickly getting interview callbacks and offers were flowing in. And this is when he accepted the position to Baylor College of Medicine, where he'd get his Ph.D. in human genetics. Baylor College of Medicine was a prestigious university and an incredible opportunity. Yeah. He graduated his undergrad and he moved to Houston, Texas, where his life would then change forever. The moment he arrived, he saw flaws in every professor's research. Oh, shit. He felt like his mind was so expanded that he was able to instantly understand entire research projects that would take months and years to comprehend. Oh, my God. Because he was, you know, Mr. Smarty Pants, he wasn't really motivated because he wasn't learning. Right. And he knew everything that he needed to know. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to listen to someone mansplain shit to you when you already know it. Right. So he started to like really focus on the flaws of each project and the flaws in genetics. And then he became obsessed with this. And he would go and he'd talk to the professors. But, you know, no one really seemed to care about the flaws, which is what he was super passionate about. So he got kind of pissed and decided, you know what? This isn't the place for me. This wasn't for me. Okay. So Kyle left the program. The day after he decided to leave, strange things started to happen. He was mentally exhausted, and he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do with his life, but he could hardly think. So eventually, he left Texas and started to apply for jobs all over the country. In spring of 2015, he got an interview with a food company. He thought that he was finally about to get his life back together, but the night before his interview, he couldn't sleep at all. He stayed awake the entire night, and this is something that had never happened to him before. You know how hard it is to stay awake all night? Yeah, that sounds awful. Like, but like, really, though, like, you can have like a stressful day, like, oh my God, I can't sleep, but you always end up falling asleep. Yeah, you always fall asleep. Kyle couldn't sleep at all. The next morning, he looked at himself in the mirror, and he didn't even recognize who was looking back at him. And worse, he said he, he felt like his mind had snapped. Oh, shit. He got to his interview, and with his mental state, it didn't go too hot. He was unable to think to answer simple questions, and he had a really difficult time trying to make the simplest of conversations. As soon as the interview was over, he felt totally fine, and he looked perfectly normal. And he slept great that night. 
The next day, he had a plane ride scheduled back to Idaho to visit home, and his plane ride was very unusual. The seat that was on his ticket was taken, and when he spoke to a flight attendant, she was basically like, okay, and took him to a new seat. Okay. But at this new seat, there was an older man that was in front of him, and this man kept, like, glancing back over and over again. And he wouldn't stop until he got Kyle's attention. And every time he glanced back, Kyle's head began to hurt. Oh, no, no, no. And finally, when Kyle looked back at this man and made eye contact... The man's lips curled up and gave Kyle this evil-looking smile. Fuck that. His headache continued for the rest of the flight and got more intense as time went on. And he started to notice that every time he felt pain in his head or got this tingling sensation, that older man would start taking notes in a notepad. Uh. And then about halfway through the flight, somebody else in front of him held up a newspaper And on that newspaper, in big, bold letters, said, Psychic Reading. And this person held up the newspaper for about five minutes straight. And Kyle said that it was just so blatantly obvious that that they were trying to show him this and that they were doing something to him, but he just wasn't sure what was going on. Psychic Reading? Yes. In what world is that a psychic reading? Right. And this person's holding up a sign for five minutes? Right. Like this giant newspaper. I mean, like, five w- I like, w- where is the flight marshal or whatever it is? That, right. What that is, monitors that shit? Yeah. I'm like, who the fuck is on this plane? Yeah. I don't know. He was confused. And then leaving the plane, the same older man with the creepy smile kept showing him his, like, disposable, like, track phone. You know what I mean? Like a burner almost. Yeah. Like, kind of hinting at him, like... You need to get one of these. So Kyle was definitely creeped out and confused as to what was going on, but he tried to make sense of it because he did apply to several government jobs before this event happened, like before the plane ride. So he thought that maybe it was their way of contacting him. Yeah. So out of curiosity, Kyle goes and buys a disposable burner phone. He checked his phone every single day, every hour of the day, just waiting for a text. And a month later, he gets a text message that says, come to church at the altar. And it's from a man named John Padula. Okay. He was like, all right, so this is the government reaching out to me. A church is kind of a strange place to meet, but whatever. Like, I'll go anyway. I want a job. I need a job. Um, Once he got to the church, he went inside and Kyle said he immediately felt like something was off. It felt really wrong and he felt like his life was in danger and it became such an uncomfortable feeling that he left the church before meeting anybody. Oh, God. Two days later, he started receiving text messages on this burner phone um, from a man named Tim Remington. At first, they were just like Bible quotes, but then Kyle started to receive threats. He said Tim was sending him messages talking about, quote, their power. Oh. And Kyle wasn't really sure what power he was talking about. But then he was like, well, maybe these people have the same like mind thing going on that I have right now. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're reaching out to me. But with each text in these Bible verses were hidden threats. And the last text he got from Tim Remington said one word, angels. Oh, he was ignoring them at this point. And he thought nothing of it until that night. Helicopters started swarming around his house, started swarming around his house all night and into the next day helicopters yes kyle knew he needed to reach out to them so he made an appointment to meet this john padula for coffee the original texter guy after making the appointment something bizarre started happening to him and there's so 
where where I'm getting this information is from Kyle's manifesto. This is from Kyle himself. I guess I should have said that at the beginning. Um, but in the manifesto, there's words that are redacted. Mm-hmm. And there's sections that are redacted, which is very interesting because it's a, you know, why would they be redacting something why from would a they be re- basic civilian? If that, you're saying that he's crazy. that Yeah, they dubbed him off as crazy. So why would you be redacting? Anyway. Right. So I kind of have a good idea of what these words were. So I'm going to say what I think they are okay. um, because I think they make the most sense. So anyway, it says that after making this appointment, he received the most unnatural erection that he's ever had. Oh, he said it felt like someone was manually pumping blood into his penis. That sounds like a terrible experience. And all during this erection, this song started playing in his head. And the lyrics to the song were, sister, sister, he is just a plaything. We want to make him stay up all night. Uh, and Kyle had never heard of a song that had lyrics like this. No. And he had no idea what it meant. So he ignored it. And then the song quit playing in his head. When Kyle tried to go to bed that night, as soon as he laid down, the song started again. Sister, sister, he's just a plaything. We want to make him stay up all night. And Kyle stayed up. All night. He got literally zero minutes of sleep that night because of this song playing in his head. Yeah. And fucking blue balls, obviously. Um, Every time he started to like, yeah, exactly. Drift <laughs> off. He was woken up violently to the song playing. in his <laughs> That head. sounds awful. That yeah. sounds like literally like torture. So Kyle had g- finally given up on sleeping that night. So he got up out of bed. He went downstairs to make some breakfast and he was super relieved because he wasn't hearing the song that he was hearing all night. Sister, anymore. sister. Yeah, I don't, do you know it? I mean, in my head, it's got to be like a rock song. Right. But, but the second you said it, I was like, Sister Christian, no, that, not that. No. That's not what it is. So he stopped hearing the song when he goes downstairs, and then he starts to hear a voice enter his head. And it told him, you're going to be uncomfortable, but all you have to do is breathe, be sacrificed like Jesus, and get beheaded. Uh, no. And Kyle no. is like, what the <laughs> Like, no, is going I, on like who's talking to me through my head like yeah he's like really starting to lose his sanity at this yeah, point i would um so he goes into this total panic and has no idea what it means his heart's racing he's starting to have a literal mental breakdown and then a few minutes later he hears a knock on his door oh no and he when he goes to open it there's a man standing there and he says nothing just hands kyle a pamphlet and on the pamphlet it says the sacrifice of jesus which is what the voice in his head told him five minutes before. Oh, no. Kyle said at this point his mind was racing. He was losing his sanity. He became completely delirious. He was so confused. He felt like he was constantly going to die, and all he wanted to do was to go see his family again. But at this point, his family had moved out of Idaho into Albuquerque, so Kyle decided to buy a one-way ticket there. Of course, Kyle's plane ride did not go smoothly. Yeah, he needs to stay the fuck off planes. He was sat next to this larger man who Kyle said kept telling him telepathically that his plane was going to crash. Oh. And every time he spoke to Kyle telepathically, he would sniff like a dog, like a like every time he talked. What? Okay. Kyle at this point is like, I am losing my fucking mind. <laughs> if I had to hear that, I would There freak. is no way this is real. I'm just going to sit here, mind my business, and stay calm as possible. But him not reacting to this man pissed the guy off. So the guy started touching his leg. <gasps> and the second that he touched Kyle's leg, 
Kyle said that he could feel him inside of his mind and that this almost caused Kyle to have a serious breakdown, like about to cause a damn scene on the plane. Yeah. Um, and before he was about to cause a scene, a voice in his head said, calm down. You did a great job. You passed. Go enjoy your family. We have a job waiting for you when you get back. So I'm thinking the whole like we're going to crash the plane thing was a test to Kyle to see how he was going to react to this guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Kyle, like it was like foreshadowing. Like Kyle would have been the one to cause the scene and possibly make the plane go down. I would have made the scene immediately. Oh, my God. Me too. If some weird guy's touching my leg. Well, if no, if someone keeps sniffing beside me, I'm triggered immediately. And he has these thoughts in his head that he thinks this guy's telepathically talking. I to would him. literally like punch a dude in the face. Exactly. Dude, me too. The rest of the ride was pretty sub- subtle. Um, Kyle actually had a little bit of peace. And then he got off the plane and he had to go get his bags at baggage claim. Here he noticed an entire group of people that were watching him intensely and sniffing. No, it gets worse. He would later say, like later on, that sniffing was something that these alien people would do. And it was really common. He got his bag. He went outside to see his parents who were picking him up. And he gave them the biggest hugs. And Kyle said it was his last happy moment that he could remember. Everywhere he went after that, he was followed. When he saw one person, that person would sniff at him to let Kyle know that it was them and that they were there. Kyle said they would also smile and laugh and stick their tongues out at him. Day after day went by and Kyle was being harassed by these people. He was scared that they were going to kill him. So he was like locking himself inside his parents' home. Yeah, I would do the same. And they kept telling him that they wanted him to go outside alone. But Kyle was refusing. Then they began to threaten to hurt his family. And Kyle was like, enough is enough. What do you want? Like, I will do whatever you want. Leave my family out of this. Mm -hmm. And all they said to Kyle, and this is all telepathically, was go to church. And Kyle immediately knew what they meant. Like, they knew that Kyle knew that what the church they meant was the altar that he got the original text about months ago. So he told them, "Okay, I will go to the altar when I go back. Um, after he agreed, these people left him alone. They weren't standing outside his house anymore. Um, he went to the airport. He boarded the plane. He had a peaceful flight. He got home, and he immediately went to the altar for the very first time. Everyone at the altar was acting very strange to the point where Kyle was like, are these people even human? No. Like, I thought this was the government, but maybe this is more than that. He was freaking out, but he still took a seat, and he knew that if he left the church that the harassments would start again. When the church service began, a man came and sat down right next to him. And this is when Kyle started smelling something, a smell that he had never smelt before. It was unrecognizable. And the only thing he could compare it to was like the smell of a lizard in a cage and vinegar mixed together. Gross. Yeah. Um, Nothing crazy happened. And when the service ended, they said, like the pastor says, you can leave now. So Kyle leaves and on his way home, he knows that he is not dealing with the government anymore, but that this is not like this is not the government testing you for a new job. Obviously, right. I don't think I would ever believe that. I don't, dude, I don't know. The government's fucking weird. That's true. Be- it's like a crazy job. Like they might be. I mean, you. Um, I don't want to give too much information about this, but like someone that we know that Logan and I know um, that Logan knew for only a year Uh he got off this person got offered a job with the government and logan had to be interviewed like interrogated for two hours this man in a suit just showed up in his office and was like hey are you logan 
I need to talk to you about so-and-so right. and sat there for two hours drilling Logan. And you know Logan. He doesn't do good like that. Yeah. And it was just drilling him. I would have been sweating bullets. I know. I'd have been freaking out. Um, I lost my place. <laughs> Neither of us can ever work for the government because if they come to me about you or you right. about me, we're going to like, you know what? Just go listen to our podcast and then come back and talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> so Kyle knew this was not for a government job. And he knew that whatever he was dealing with was something extraterrestrial something supernatural and kyle started to really freak the fuck out yeah once leaving the church he received no further instructions from them and he had a pretty peaceful few weeks so kyle began applying for jobs again because clearly he's not getting a government job no he then said that they started following him again everywhere he went and then they started to harass him day and night through his mind he was hearing voices more often and he was hallucinating things that he knew he wasn't real and then they started messing with him again sexually. Both males and females were playing out these sexual fantasies in Kyle's mind. And Kyle was getting random and uncontrollable erections as well as this extreme sexual stimulation. And this continued for weeks and it was intensifying as each day moved forward. At this point, Kyle had one goal and that was to maintain his sanity and try to avoid them. And this worked for a little bit, but eventually he had a huge meltdown. He was at a bakery one day when he was surrounded by a bunch of older men. They were looking at him. They were sniffing at him. And then they started stimulating him sexually. No. They were speaking very aggressively. They were saying to him, humans are nothing more than a result of a successful genetic experiment. You are a threat to the way these people think, and you can no longer be free in this society. Your life is over. You are nothing but a toy. Your purpose now is to suck. And then this word is redacted. Suck dick? I don't know. Suck what? Suck someone's dick. It was two words. Yeah. Um, they were saying such aggressive things. And before they could even finish talking, Kyle lost his damn mind. He was enraged. He was pissed off. He wanted to be left alone. So he left the store and he tried to calm down, but it only got worse. For the rest of that night, he was continually stimulated sexually and it wouldn't stop until oh the God. point where he was like in a serious pain. He broke down in his own home and it became completely distraught and then it finally stopped. He knew he couldn't take it anymore. So he filled one of the small charcoal grills. You know, I'm talking about like a portable one. Yeah. With lit coals, put that grill in his car, rolled up the windows, reclined his seat, laid there calmly and fell asleep with the intent to kill himself. He should have died there. There's no reason that he didn't die. Yeah. Until he was woke up in an extreme panic and his body forcing him to get out of the car. He passed out right outside of his car. And when he woke up and regained his consciousness, he was seriously upset that he that what he did wasn't successful. I mean, yeah. Only thing he like got he, from that is probably brain damage. Right. He ended up checking himself into the VA who then sent him straight to a mental ward where he was admitted. And nothing improved for Kyle while he was at the mental institution. The medication was doing nothing for him. And he felt like he was just sitting there surrounded by a bunch of psychotic people. And he was exhausted. He knew that their goal was to make him into a crazy person. And Kyle's goal was he was determined to not let that happen. Yeah. So he started fighting back. He leaves the VA. And in desperation, he heads straight to the altar. And he asks them what they want from him. And their response was, we want you as our sex slave keep coming to church so kyle did he went to service after service and eventually found himself becoming pretty close to pastor tim remington 
One day they were talking face to face and Pastor Reddington told him that he should really consider becoming a minister. And when they were in mid-conversation, Tim Remington, quote, revealed himself to Kyle. And Kyle's still confused on what he saw, but this reveal was only like one to two seconds. And during this reveal, his eyes turned huge and bulging out of his head. They turned a dark green. His iris was a yellow and his pupils were slits. (gasps) He's a reptilian. Two seconds later, his face went back to a human face. Kyle continued to go to the altar service after service, waiting for them to do something, but they always just did nothing except telling him that he needed to submit and he needed to surrender. And Kyle had no fucking idea what that meant. So he left the church and he never went back again. And they finally gave him some space. There was no harassment for a few weeks and Kyle felt like he was recovering, that he was coming back to his sanity. So he wanted to make one final attempt at a normal life and he wanted to be a pharmacist. So he started taking classes at NIC to finish up some prereqs that he needed. And he also started volunteering at a local pharmacy. Once he got back to school, they followed him. No. There were several of them in his class every day. Anytime he was trying to study, they were harassing him telepathically. Anytime he took a test, they were stimulating him. But even with all this going on, Kyle still somehow was able to get all A's in every single class because he had, at this point, learned to live with it. Yeah. But then enough was enough. In his final semester in spring of 2016, the harassment was just too intense. Every time he went to class, they were manipulating his brain until he would go into this blind rage. They would suppress his brain until he was blacking out. They were manipulating his heart rate. They would flood his body with adrenaline over and over again. The females would sexually harass him by stimulating him as well as the males. They were depriving him of sleep. Kyle really just had no strength to continue. So he realized a chance at a normal life was ruined. And he stops pursuing a career in pharmacy. And Kyle was distraught. He was pissed. He just wanted to go back to what it was before he had that astral projection yeah on march 6 2016 he went to the altar and he waited for pastor tim remington to leave the church he then walked up behind him and he shot him (laughs) five times in the back and once in the head pastor remington was rushed to the hospital where he survived being shot six times you're lying to my face kyle immediately went on the run from police and headed right for the white house During this time, he was sending out his manifesto, the one that I just summarized and read to you, to all sorts of news media companies. On March 8th, he was arrested by Secret Service outside of the White House for throwing objects over the fence and into the White House lawn. And he gets arrested by Secret Service. Yeah. These objects were USB drives that was informing the president of what was going on. And then also accusing the president that he knew about it. Oh. And he had also sent a letter to the president. But we. Who's the president at this time? Is this Trump or Obama? Obama. So it's still it's early 2016 before November. In July 2016, Kyle pled guilty to felony aggravated battery with a felony firearm enhancement as part of a plea agreement to keep his sentence no more than 25 years. Today, Kyle is still in prison. At the beginning of his manifesto, he talks about how smart he was before all of this, and states that he is 100% sane and 0% crazy. He then starts his manifesto off with a section titled, Why Did He Do It?, where he responded that his life was ruined by an intelligent species of incipient humanoids from Mars, and he wishes that he was joking, but keep reading. 
and then puts a couple bullet points that I think I need to read real quick. Yeah, you have to read these. God, this is so crazy. Yeah. So why did he do it? And then he, this is where he's talking about all of his Martians. First bullet point. They were here long before we ever existed. Number two. Their technology is millions of years more advanced than ours. I've seen them do things that defy all comprehension. Number three. They have a massive breeding stock of humans, which they breed and control from birth. They use these humans to live vicarious lives among us. They appear to be completely normal because they're good at imitating human behavior. Number four, the actual Martians live deep underground here and inside of the moon. Hollow moon theory. Yeah. Number five, they take control of, quote, wild human beings and use them as sex slaves. Don't believe me? Ask President Obama to take a lie detector test on this one. Oh, fuck. Number six, they tried to take me, but they were unable to control my mind, and they've been following me ever since. Number seven, I tried everything to get my life back. I begged, I bargained, and I threatened. Number eight, everything I tried to do was sabotaged. Number nine, I attempted suicide twice, but they stopped me both times. And number 10, my last resort was to take actions that would bring this to the public's attention. And that's why he did it. And that is the Kyle Odom manifesto. I just want to ask President Obama, former President Obama. What I think is crazy is that it started with an astral projection. Right. And people say when you reach that state of consciousness, like there is really studies on this. Yeah. Your mind becomes open to things that it has never been before. Right. And he was talking about how more intelligent he had already become and like you can't take credit away from this guy he was studying biochemistry he had a degree in biochem he got offered to work in human genetics at the baylor college of medicine like he was he's very intelligent and i don't know like i don't understand why they were after him though or i don't understand why the government put him away why didn't they use him they have to be using him so there's a conspiracy theory about okay tell me And the theory is that Kyle was a subject of an ongoing MK Ultra type deal that it's still going on. Shit. Yeah. That makes so much sense. When he was in the Marine Corps. I completely believe that. I totally forgot about him being a Marine. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's so sad. Yeah. It's It's absolutely fucking crazy. And obviously the public has, you know, dubbed him off as just a psychotic person with a you know mm-hmm. a mental health issue going on um but i think it's also crazy that he got arrested by the secret service for throwing something over the fence i mean i get why they would do that because like what if it was just like mini bombs or recorders or something like that right. i don't think you're allowed to even be near the gate like you have to be like nine feet back from it yeah anywhere you go near it so but i God. And how did he get from Idaho to D.C.? How You know how far away Idaho is from D.C.? Yeah. Idaho to D.C. in two days. Idaho to D.C. That's what you just sounded like. In two days with being a suspect to a murder. Like literally he had to be driving There's a the warrant out for his arrest. No, he had to fly. That's how he had to You're get You're right. There. He had to fly. And then how did he get on a plane with a warrant? Dude, I don't know. And why is shit redacted? If he's so crazy, why are they redacting stuff from this manifesto? And didn't you say he sent it to, like, news channels? Yes. Why was it redacted? Right. 
I wonder if like, there's an original the only copy. copy that I can I could find. I looked. I looked long oh ago. Oh my god! And why were they like stimulating him? Like to cause pain or like to live out? He said it was because to live out like their own fantasies. You know, I don't know. Really confusing. Really crazy story. Maybe yeah. first Mr. off, it's sexual assault. Like right, straight up. So, oh god, that is such a. Cr- I believe them. I do too. I know they're probably like y'all are crazy. I straight up believe that shit. Yeah. There's no way. I mean, it's not like we're just saying that he was smart. Like, he, like, on paper. Like, on paper. Is smart. Yes. Like, very intelligent. But then I'm like, okay, for you to be that smart, is this what happened to Elon Musk? And, is that his name? Yeah. And, like, Albert Einstein and every other And Steve Jobs and, um, yeah. All these huge people like amazon facebook all that shit yeah that has to be i mean the facebook dude literally looks like a lizard (laughs) he does what's his name mark zuckerberg yeah yeah he does look like a lizard uh he does have lizard eyes yeah i don't know is kyle still sitting in prison somewhere like for real though like he's actually a real story this was his man like this is i want to go visit him me too and interview him Creeps and Crimes interviews Kyle Odom. That would be crazy. That'd be dope. We have to do that. Anyway, it was probably really confusing, but that's the case. I loved it. Thanks so much. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, everybody. Happy birthday, Morgan. (laughs) Happy birthday, Morgan. All right, Taylor, what do you got? Okay, guys. So um, today I'm going to be covering, uh, this is actually last Thursday of February. So um, this is going to be our last series on last part of the series on uh, Black History Month uncovered covering undercovered and unsolved uh, true crime cases that involve African-Americans. That doesn't mean that we're going to stop doing them. Uh, Obviously, we're just dedicating this entire month to um, these cases. But today I'm going to end on Ronnie Long. Do you know who this is? Uh -uh. All right. You're about to know. And if you guys don't know. You're we should. Pro- I'm thinking we should probably all know. You, yeah, we should probably all know. So here we go. At 9.30 p.m. on April 25th, 1976, in Concord, North Carolina, which is a suburb of Charlotte, 40, I'm sorry, 54-year-old Sarah Bost frantically called 911. She tells the dispatcher that an African-American male had entered her home and put a knife to her throat demanding money from her. However, she had no cash in the home. And the more she explained and pleaded for her life with the man, he grew angry. He began cursing her out and he threw her to the ground before ripping her clothes off, beating her, and then raping her. Jeez. Her attacker fled the scene and once Sarah was sure that he was gone, she frantically ran over to her neighbor's house and called 911. Concord police arrived at the scene conducting a full search of the home and interviewing Sarah once she was in her hospital room. At the scene, they discovered matches under a window ledge in the bedroom floor and a shoe print that they were able to get an impression of. In the interview with Sarah, she described the man to be between 5'5 and 5'9 with either, this is all a quote, by the way, so um, don't think I'm saying this, Uh, quote, 5'5 and 5'9 with either yellow or very light uh, skin, black male, who spoke proper English Um, with a slender build, small hips, wearing a dark leather jacket, blue jeans with a black toboggan. 
After the interview, Concord detectives presented Sarah with 13 photos of African-American males between the ages of 15 and 30. However, she did not recognize any of these men as her attacker. Almost two weeks later, officers took Sarah to the district court telling her, quote, he might be here. What? So she would need to identify him if he came in. In fear that her attacker would recognize her and leave, and obviously the trauma that she's already gone through with this, she um, puts on like an entire disguise. She wore a red wig with like sunglasses, changed her fashion a bit, like borrowed clothes, like very went incognito. And this was on May 10th, 1976, which is when Sarah pointed at her attacker saying, there is no doubt in my mind that this is the man that entered my home and attacked me. And that man was 20-year-old cement mason named Ronnie W. Long, who had to be in court for an unrelated charge. He was wearing a floral shirt with a leather jacket. It turned out that on the night of Sarah's attack, Ronnie had been arrested wearing a leather jacket for trespassing at a public park behind his home, which happened to be just a mile away from Sarah's house. A year earlier... He was brought into court after his social security card was found at a site of a rape and murder that took place in Washington, D.C. However, he was released because just weeks earlier he had reported his wallet as being stolen that had his social security card in it. So I'm confused. Did the police suspect him already and know that he was going to be in court that day or did they think that her attacker would show up no they um knew that ronnie they had their eyes on ronnie because that night he had been arrested like just hours later and he was wearing the same description okay yeah but before arresting him police gave sarah a second lineup this time with ronnie's photo in it and again she chose ronnie as her attacker However, I do need to note that he was the only one wearing a leather jacket in the lineup, making him the primary suspect in Sarah's case. Therefore, they interviewed him, and it turned out that he had a rock-solid alibi. On the night of April 25th, he had arrived at his mom's house at 8.45 p.m., where he was hanging out and talking on the phone with his girlfriend and their son, before telling his mother that he was going to a party, which is when on his way there is when he was arrested but he didn't even leave his mother's house until 10 45 so that's an hour after the took the attack. attack took place and police were already on the scene at the time that he would have been walking he just in a public park gets right gets arrested for trespassing i've never heard of that Me neither. you know how many times i've been in public parks after dark right and never been arrested once yeah yeah it's absolute bullshit um, so he leaves his mom's house at 1045 PM. Okay. So I don't know if I specifically address the matches that were found at the scene yet. Um, have I mentioned briefly? Okay. But I want to explain like what this implies about Sarah's attacker. Basically, they believe that he had been in the home before she even got home and was waiting on her and had entered through that outside window. Oh. And was smoking cigarettes and stuff. So they had like, they were like, oh, he would have been in there for a long time, which makes no sense and doesn't align with the timeline at all of what Ronnie was doing. So the matches that were found did not match the matches that Ronnie had on his person the night that he was arrested. They were completely two different sets of matches. And next, Ronnie had 
dark he was a darker skinned male like he did was not light he does not have yellow skin whatever the fuck that means right he like he was a darker skinned male and he was at home and he was at home and lastly ronnie's mugshot from his arrest he has a mustache and in the original description that sarah gave she said that he was clean shaven her attacker so even still with all of this like obvious red flags in this investigation obvious not guilty charges a trial date was set for september 27th 1976 despite the fact that ronnie was adamant that he did not do this and he even had the alibi and proof to prove it the months leading up to this trial were intense there were protests and demonstrations outside just taking place in support of ronnie and it was obvious to everybody that the police just had their eyes on ronnie from the beginning and were pushing this narrative instead of actually investigating and using the evidence to cooperate sarah's story now before we move on i really do want to stop and mention that in no way shape or form am i blaming sarah for anything um she was traumatized she's a victim which honestly does cloud memory and judgment which we see time and time again but i do not want you guys to think that we are victim blaming because what we are blaming is the broken system and to elaborate on that more the courts were reviewing jurors and just continually disqualifying people for unknown reasons and not even recording their reasonings for this which ended in a 49-person jury pool that only had two black residents in a city that had a population of 20% African Americans, making this an all-white jury that did not represent the community that they were in at all. And when this was announced to the public, Ronnie's supporters worked harder to have their voices heard, but even still, it felt as if Ronnie was being sentenced before the trial even took place. Absolutely. Yeah. He was sentenced the night he was arrested in the park. Exactly. They they immediately had his, their eyes on him and never moved past that. And obviously like this is my biggest fear. If I'm going to be completely honest, like this is like one of my biggest fears is to be in a situation where everybody's against you and you're facing like your life in prison right versus you know like that's just terrifying no one believes you at the wrong time yeah and for him it's really honestly because of the color of his skin exactly and how fucked up is that so facts this trial when this trial started you could have cut the tension with a knife in that courtroom the prosecution supporters being all white and the defense supporters being all black it looked at the reporters at the time said that it looked as if it was like a segregated courtroom (sighs) fucking terrifying is what that is scary When Sarah Bose took the stand, she testified to the jury that without a shadow of a doubt, Ronnie Long was her attacker, saying that she specifically remembered his mustache. But on the record, she said that he was clean shaven. So now we have on official record that she is changing her story. Right. This case is honestly really hard for me because if you know me and Morgan, we are huge victim advocates in every way shape and form because I understand that this was traumatic for her and that gives like I understand why her story would be changing because she's probably having to fight through like disassociation and all of this from the amount of trauma and I could not imagine what she is feeling but also I do think Ronnie is a victim here as well these these are two victims that we are 
telling the story Absolutely. about. And I think um, with her trauma, she probably not blacked out, but is having a hard time recalling her memories. Right. And when the police say, "I if your victim might be here in court today, you're going the, to the see first him. black man she sees with she a point, leather jacket. She points a finger at him. And it's this it's 76. Everybody's got a leather jacket yeah. on. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it really sucks because I truly they're both victims. They're both victims. And I don't want to like discount her story just as much as I don't want to discount Ronnie's story. Um, and I couldn't imagine how like hard this would be for her too. Right. So um, I'm basically Ronnie is a victim of at this point mistaken identity. Yep. And I'm not even saying that because it's my opinion. I'm saying that because that is what the evidence shows us. Hospital records show that Sarah suffered from many severe defensive wounds, specifically trigger warning because this makes my skin crawl. Oh, God. Her fingernails were bent backwards from fighting and scratching her attacker so hard. But according to the photos taken of Ronnie that night of his arrest, he had not a single scratch on him. Ronnie's mother and girlfriend took the stand verifying his alibi and testifying on his behalf to the jury. On October 1st, 1976, after deliberation, Ronnie Long was found guilty of the attack of Sarah Boss and um, charged with rape and burglary. I can never say that word burglary. And he was sentenced to hold your fucking seat. You're not ready for this. Two life sentences. What? Two life sentences. Was the jury sleeping during the entire trial? First off, I don't know how he got two life sentences. There are like straight up rapists that are walking the streets free because they got 45 days in prison. Right. And we're over in jail, not even prison. And we're over here giving this man two life sentences for something that we can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that he did. Yeah. Where, where is the justice? Where, where is that fair trial for every man? Where is that? Not there. It's not there. It's not here. I don't know where it's at. They had nothing that was directly pointing at Ronnie other than the witness testimony that is typically never really taken into high account. Just it's because it's just as almost as unreliable as a polygraph, which you can't even use in court. Either way, despite the outrage filling the courtroom, 20 year old Ronnie Long was sent to the Harnett Correctional Institution in Lillington, North Carolina. Ronnie later reported that the entire time he just remembered telling himself you know, it's just going to be a few days. We're going to get this sorted out. Like, I'm going to, this is just a mistake. This is yeah. just a mistake. Little did he know he would be spending all of his 20s, his 30s, his 40s, his 50s, and well into his 60s behind bars. Ronnie's legal team continually filed several petitions to state and federal courts, but nothing happened until. 30 years later in 2005 when they decided to give it one more shot filing one last petition fighting for a biological review of the evidence evidence to be done for with the items collected at the original crime scene with the advances in DNA technology that were not around in 76 and it was approved hell yeah and what they found was fucking jarring So in previous episodes, I have discussed DNA technology and what we used before DNA. And basically, they would use hair fibers and blood types to connect people to crime scenes like we saw in the O.J. Simpson case. So what we find out in 2005 is that 
there was much more evidence that was found on the scene than originally presented and submitted to the court for the 76 trial. And this included hair samples, clothing fibers, biological evidence collected at the hospital that included a rape kit. But magically, all of the evidence from the hospital had been misplaced. But the hair samples and clothing fibers were able to be tested and they did not match Ronnie. And in addition to this, 43 fingerprints were taken from the crime scene that did not match Ronnie. Are you shitting me? And they were never shared to the defense or in the trial. And they were not even given this information until 2015, Morgan. Oh my God. And the only reason they were given this is when um, Ronnie took part in the North Carolina Innocence Inquiry Commission Post-Conviction DNA Testing Assistance Program. With the overwhelming evidence that was now proving Ronnie's innocence, a three-judge panel was convened from the Fourth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. In a two-in-one decision, Ronnie's request for a new trial was rejected. (laughs) Rejected. Yeah, one of the two judges that um, rejected this was Judge Julius Richardson, and this is what he said. Even if this evidence would have been in the original trial, he still would have been convicted. Oh, tell okay. me why. Are help. listen, I'm a true crime podcaster and I fucking know that that's not true. Right. And you you fucking do this for a living? Okay. Okay. But 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 the judge that did vote in his favor, Judge Stephanie D. Thacker, a.k.a. a woman of fucking course, um, Ayo. took the appeals request to the entire Fourth Circuit and ordered a new hearing. Hell Fuck yeah. Yeah, Stephanie. Even one of the original prosecutors from the trial in 76 came forward admitting that the evidence was initially hidden like on purpose from the defense and the trial to ensure that Ronnie was put away, even though evidence deliberately proved his innocence. Therefore, on October 27th, 2020, 44 years later, at the age of 64, Ronnie Long walked out of the prison gates wearing a three-piece suit and a COVID mask cry for him. that read, Free Ronnie Long. Oh, my God. That makes me so sad. Like, can you imagine going in in the 70s and coming out in fucking 2020? In COVID. Oh, my God. He's wearing a COVID mask. Oh, my God. He was 20 years old. He's now 64. His surviving family and supporters embraced him when he walked out. However, his mother, who had fought for his innocence all of these years, had just passed away six weeks before his release. Oh, my God. Her final words were, is Ronnie home yet? Oh, stop. Along with the passing of his father, grandmother, and two sisters as well. Finally able to rest in peace knowing that Ronnie made it. But Ronnie's wife, Ashley, was there to embrace him. The two had met in 2013. This is fun. Let's stop crying because this is fun. Okay. Uh, she was a criminology student at UNC, and she actually wrote to Ronnie to ask if she could help him because she found his case and was like, this is fucking bullshit. And they fell in love. Aww. Yeah. And they got married on August 18th, 2014. They live now happily in Dur- Durham, North Carolina. However, there is more. Just a tiny bit more. 
North Carolina is only compensating him for 15 years of his unlawful conviction, as the cap for a wrongful conviction is $750,000, meaning that he will not be compensated for over tw- for the other 25 years that he spent in wrongful imprisonment. In the end, Sarah's case still remains unsolved, and Ronnie had 44 years of his life stripped away from him. Unfucking believable. And just one last little thing, a fucked up fact. Fact. A Fuck, totally fucked up fact. Totally fucked up fact. Um, did you know that African Americans are seven times more likely to be wrongfully convicted of murder than a white person is? And forty percent of wrongfully in- convicted people that are released are African American individuals. That makes me so sick. <sighs> so sick, dude. I cried my spray tan off over this case this morning, like sobbed my eyes out thinking about having to cover it. I tried to read it over and over again so I wouldn't be emotionally to it. But like, how can you not like want to vomit, cry, throw up over the fact that. So can he sue? He did. He And that's what he got the seven. He can only get up to seven hundred fifty thousand dollars. That needs to be changed. Look, I don't know much about government money and all that shit, but I'm sure but you, you could it. squeeze out a few more. All right? We pay you a lot, you know? That is so fucked up. That is so sick. And it just makes you wonder how many more are actually Oh, out there's there. thousands. There are thousands of people. People that have, that been have just been rotting the rest of their life away in prison and when they don't. And they just aren't it. believed. Like, people just when don't believe innocent, them. innocent, good people. And like because I, of the color of their fucking skin. Yeah, I mean, it's fucking, it's outrageous. Oh my god! And um, with this being the ending of Black History Month, um, I do want to say that we are so thankful that we were able to cover these cases. But I do want to make it a point to say that at no point do I ever think my voice is louder than someone who lives and experiences this. Um, in the end, you know, I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody. I'm just telling the stories that I can. And, um, you know, we're going to continue this fight. And, you know, we strongly believe that it's time. It's it's oh, time for a fucking change. It's I'm done with it. Everybody's over it. We've seen the demonstrations. We've seen how, you know, these stories have been having to fight to come back into the light. Um, and I truly only believe one of the very few reasons that Ronnie was other than the fact that he was completely innocent, but the fact that in 2020, the demonstrations and the protesting, I think that really aided him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody that participated in these events, like, look what you've done. You've, you've done a great job. We've talked about two cases, three cases actually now that have been highlighted in media again for because of the results of what you guys did and um you know we're just gonna keep standing here as allies we're gonna fight beside you um but we appreciate you guys allowing us to tell these stories um and being so kind uh to us as we do share them absolutely so that's it for episode 74 um so pissed off happy birthday (laughs) thank you (laughs) (laughs) okay um <laughs> stop looking at me. Uh do you have anything that you want to say in our TFU section? Merch is out, bitches. Merch is fucking up. Go order it right now. 
And there may or may not be um, some St. Patty's Day merch on there. Oh. Because it's coming up, guys. She Iron Mike, coming back. It's Take two. coming back. Who's ready? Send us Jameson. Send us love and send us prayers, please. Yes. And we'll if, see you're in from, March. if you're from uh, Ireland, send us the cases. <laughs> Amen to that. See All you right. in March. Love you guys. Bye.